Hey, welcome to the BYP Responds video series. I'm going to do something unusual. I'm going to respond to my former apologetic self from 13 years ago. I was an energetic, gung-ho, starry-eyed apologist looking to make my mark in the world. And I made several interesting errors as an apologist that I will address in this issue. I remember finding this information and losing sleep over it because I believed it was so incredibly powerful at the time. Now, these old video clips are rather fuzzy. This was my very first video camera I ever bought. And back then, the technology was not nearly as good as it is today. So please forgive me for that. I had no idea back then it was so fuzzy. So without further ado, let's get started on this fascinating refutation of myself. Maya concerning Jesus Christ. Now, the Book of Mormon specifically... Just driving out in my backyard. Found some interesting things in uh, one of John Twentness's books on the Book of Mormon that I want to share with you. So I thought I'd just come out in the backyard so I could meditate and think and uh, read and share some ideas with you. It's on the uh, prophecies of Jeremiah concerning Jesus Christ. Now, the Book of Mormon specifically links this theme of Jeremiah prophesying about Jesus Christ, but critics have said that Jesus Christ wasn't known to the Old Testament prophets the criticism is, it's too early, and yet the Book of Mormon correctly identifies that Jeremiah did prophesy about Jesus Christ. There's some early Christian interpretations of this that I want to share with you that I think are very, very instructive. And of course, John Twentness with his outstanding caliber of scholarship on the Book of Mormon correctly notes these interesting themes. So I'm going to share some ideas on the prophecies of Jesus Christ out of Jeremiah as the Book of Mormon correctly depicted. Once again, the uh, a supposed problem of the Book of Mormon has been discovered to not be a problem at all, but to actually be a pretty good correct idea and a correct theme. <clears throat> All right, let's see what you got. In and 20, the declaration in this Book of Mormon passage suggests that several ancient prophets, including Jeremiah in the Bible, knew and prophesied of the coming of Christ. Now, it's interesting because there are no specific prophecies of Christ in the biblical book of Jeremiah, so far as scholarship is aware of. To be sure, Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34, they speak of a new covenant that's supposed to be established. 
but it does not mention Christ as such who brought that new covenant. So the question becomes, how then do we explain Nephi's statement to the people of the city of Zarahemla that Jeremiah had prophesied of Christ? I was a very enthusiastic go-getter, wasn't I? <laughs> it's very fun to look back and see how enthusiastic and energetic I was. Quite interesting. However, let's keep looking because there are some critical issues here that not only John Twetness missed, but which I missed because of the manner in which I did apologetics. The idea that Jeremiah wrote more than is in the biblical book of Jeremiah that bears his name, this is an early Christian tradition. <laughs> this really picks up our interest here. We have, for example, the testimony of two second century church fathers, Justin Martyr and Irenaeus. Writings of Christ's preaching to the dead while his body lay in the tomb. They attribute this teaching to Jeremiah. Fascinating, isn't it? This is a book of Jeremiah's prophecies that wasn't in the Bible, yet the early Christians knew about this, and they taught this. They wrote that the Lord would descend to preach salvation to the dead. And here's what Justin Martyr said. Listen to this. And again, from the sayings of the same Jeremiah, these that have been cut out by the Jews, Justin Martyr says the Jews took these prophecies of Christ out of the Bible. Isn't that the exact theme of Nephi's vision when he saw the Bible? Many great, plain, and precious things were taken away from the record of the Book of the Lamb. That's what Nephi says. Now we have Justin Martyr, a second century Christian, teaching the same thing. I'm almost mesmerizing myself here. The, uh, the idea that Jeremiah, of course, was incomplete is certainly in the Apocrypha of Joseph Smith's day and in the burned-out district, the burned-over district. Many, many discussions of lost books and prophecies that were actually mentioned in the Bible itself, including the incredible book of Enoch, was certainly being discussed. That was one item. But notice the apologetic setup is always based upon something that Joseph Smith didn't know and now has been discovered. And in every instance, there's a twist that changes the whole perspective, and not in favor of apologetics. I'm going to set myself up here to show you that twist. I actually did that 13 years ago. I have now discovered that twist, 
with getting out of my starry-eyed apologetic self and taking a much more discerning, careful look, which actually wasn't that difficult to do. The Book of the Bee. Now, this is a book that was written in the Syriac language in the 13th century by the Nestorian Bishop Solomon. This has preserved an earlier tradition of another non-biblical prophecy of Jeremiah. So we have Justin Martyr, we have Irenaeus, and then we had a medieval manuscript of the Book of the Bee. Here's what the Book of the Bee says. This prophet, during his life, said to the Egyptians, now Jeremiah is speaking to the Egyptians here, a child shall be born. This is the Messiah of a virgin, and he shall be laid in a crib, and he will shake and cast down the idols. Sounds kind of like Abraham. That's one of the legends of Abraham as a child who destroyed the idols of his father, Terah. Christ also would perform that same function. From that time and until Christ was born, the Egyptians used to set a virgin and a baby in a crib and to worship him because of what Jeremiah said to them that he should be born in a crib. Fascinating, isn't it? A medieval 13th century manuscript. Really? What else have you got, kiddo? This story, Twetna said, is drawn from the lives of the prophet, chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. This is a text that a number of the scholars have suggested was originally written in Hebrew by an Egyptian Jew during the lifetime of Jesus himself. So this is the uh, provenance of the document. Another Christian document known for medieval manuscripts in various languages is 4th Baruch. Now, this is subtitled, The Things Omitted from Jeremiah the Prophet. So we have an apocryphal book that's actually admitting things were discussed and taken out of the book of Jeremiah the Prophet. The Ethiopic version attributes the book of Jeremiah's scribe Baruch. Now this is the Ethiopian, but the Greek version says it was written by Jeremiah. Chapter 9 has Jeremiah prophesying of the coming of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, of his selection of 12 apostles, of his death and resurrection after three days. It talks about Christ's return in glory to the Mount of Olives. According to the account, Jeremiah was stoned for teaching this teaching. Now, what's remarkable on this score that I did not bother to look into as an apologist is quite interesting, too. The reference in Tuetnes's book, which I still have, the most correct book, he labels as... James H. Charlesworth, the Old Testament pseudepigrapha, there were two volumes. He says this is in volume one, pages 424 to 425, but he misreferenced or at least misidentified the source. This takes you to the Sibylline Oracles, not to 4th Baruch or 
the lives of the prophet. So I had to go for myself into James H. Charlesworth, the Old Testament and Pseudepigrapha, and find 4th Baruch. Now, interestingly, this was translated by none other than Stephen E. Robinson, who is a Mormon BYU scholar, and 4th Baruch dates from the 1st to the 2nd centuries A.D. So these are Christian traditions, as Tuetnus noted. The date is the upper limit to A.D. 136. Further, since the final Jewish redaction to 4th Baruch appears to have been harmonized with 2nd Baruch, which was composed shortly before the end of the 1st century, we may conclude that the Jewish portion of 4th Baruch was finished sometime roughly during the first third of the 2nd century A.D., and therefore, sometime thereafter, perhaps by the middle of the second century, the work was redacted by a Christian who made at least one interpolation and Christianized the ending. The final redaction of Fourth Baruch was by a Christian, as the reference to Jesus Christ in the last chapter at 9 verse 14 makes perfectly clear. He says the provenance is on page 414 and 415. I'm going to go to that Christian insertion, and this will be on page 424 of Charlesworth. This is his second volume of the Old Testament pseudepigrapha. Glorify God with one voice, all of you. Glorify God. And the Son of God who awakens us, Jesus Christ, the light of all the aeons. So you can see a Gnostic influence here. And this is how Stephen Robinson describes this. He calls Jesus Christ the indistinguishable lamp, kind of a nifty Zohar touch there. The life of faith. And then he goes on. I'm going to skip a little here to get down to the good stuff that Twetness was talking about. For he will come and he will go out and choose for himself twelve apostles that they may preach among the nations. He whom I have adorned by his father in coming into the world on the Mount of Olives. And he will fill the hungry souls. And as Jeremiah was saying these things about the Son of God, he that he was coming into the world, the people became angry and said, These once again are the words spoken by Isaiah the son of Amos, saying, I saw God and the Son of God. Come therefore and let us not kill him by that same death, but let's stone him with stones. And then the Holy Spirit made a stone statue of Jeremiah, and they stoned the stone statue while Jeremiah was hidden in their midst. And after they destroyed the stone statue, then Jeremiah revealed himself, and he took on the martyr's death, and they stoned him. Obviously, the story is baloney. But notice this. This is a later Christian account read into and back to Jeremiah as 
a prophecy. But nothing like this has been found in Jeremiah. Let's see potentially why that is. The Book of Mormon confirms these earlier traditions about Jeremiah's prophecies of Christ, none of which were known in Joseph Smith's day. Nephi, the son of Helaman, spoke of Jeremiah, and he specifically identified this as the same Jeremiah that spoke of the destruction of Jerusalem. So that was the Jeremiah in 600 BC. This is the contemporary prophet with Lehi. Nibley says Lehi and Jeremiah very likely knew one another. Yes, it's always based on what Joseph Smith could not have known. You notice the pattern here. It's a very important pattern in LDS apologetics. Now we know that Jerusalem was destroyed according to the words of Jeremiah. Oh, then why not the Son of God come according to his prophecy? It specifically links what Jeremiah spoke that has been taken out of the Bible, yet it is in the early Christian traditions. This is in Helaman 8 and 20. According to 1 Nephi 5.13, the brass plates of Laban that Lehi's family themselves got from Jerusalem, and they brought that to the New World, contained many prophecies which have been spoken of by the mouth of Jeremiah. Now, one interesting thing, and then I will wrap up. You notice the uncritical acceptance of my earlier Mormon apologist self of the early Christian tradition. Let's see the wrap-up, and then I'll show you my mistake. Several of them, actually. So we can properly conclude, based on now what evidence and information we have, that some of these prophecies may be represented in the various non-biblical texts that we've been discussing here. <laughs> that is so fascinating how the Book of Mormon ties in traditions that Joseph Smith couldn't possibly have known. And these traditions are bona fide, genuine, early Christian traditions that existed on up into medieval times, and they knew that the Bible was not complete. They accused the Jews in their discussions with the Jews once Christ came and the Christians had adapted Jesus as the Savior and the Jews didn't. They were arguing back and forth with the Jews. The Christians accused the Jews of taking some things out of the record and that is precisely the nature of the Bible that the Book of Mormon understood too. Now, the Book of Mormon narrows it down to a specific prophet. Of all the prophets to choose, the Book of Mormon chooses Jeremiah. And of all the prophets that the early Christians had traditions about who spoke of Jesus Christ, they also knew it was Jeremiah and his writings were taken out of the record. I would say that's a direct bullseye for the Book of Mormon. And there you have it. It's time to go back to church, isn't it? <laughs> Wow, what an enthusiast I was, right? Well, let's take a look at this. In the Lives of the Prophets, 
where Tuetness guided us because the book of the bee and its very specific naming of Jesus Christ, etc., in the medieval manuscript, it was based on this text on the lives of the prophets. And they say that, let me see if I've got this first one right. Yeah, I am at the front. Okay, here's what the lives of the prophets taught. This Jeremiah gave a sign to the priests of Egypt that it was decreed that their idols would be shaken and collapse through a savior, a child born of a virgin in a manger. Wherefore, even to this day, they rever a virgin giving birth and placing an infant in a manger they worship. And when Ptolemy the king inquired about the cause, they said, it is an ancestral mystery delivered to our fathers by a holy prophet, and we are to await, he says, the consummation of this mystery. Now, what neither John Twetness or myself noted about this is that the words, through a Savior, a child born of a virgin in a manger, is in brackets meaning that it wasn't part of the original manuscript. That is a later interpolation by a Christian author. And it's an awkward gloss, according to the note here. And they say it is virtually impossible to reconstruct the earliest form of this paragraph, which is differently represented in each of the four major recensions of the manuscripts. So someone has been meddling with the manuscripts. Now, it is true, and I did look it up, and I said so in my former video earlier, 13 years earlier, that the Christians did accuse the Jews of taking out information about prophecies of Jesus Christ in the former Hebrew prophets. It is also true that we know Christians meddled with all of the manuscripts they could get their hands on by inserting specific types of information which referenced to Jesus or events in Jesus's life. And this actual document here, The Lives of the Prophets, is proof perfect of that. Because Jeremiah did not say through a savior, a child born of a virgin in a manger, that's an addition. That you take that out, and this has very precious little to do with anything about Jesus. And then they go on to say, the entire paragraph, uh, this is on page 387 of the Lives of the Prophet in James H. Charlesworth, the Old Testament Pseudepigrapha, volume 2, for those of you who have this source. The entire paragraph, this is in the footnote, oh, excuse me, I've got the hiccups, footnote 
and a very long footnote, the entire paragraph must be regarded as a Christian product, of course. <laughs> it can be argued, however, that more than one Christian hand is evident here. No surprise. This is the exact same issue with the insertions and interpolations of Jesus in Josephus. We know Christians were meddling with the manuscripts in that manner. So were the Jews taking out the Christian interpolations and then the Christians turning around and accusing the Jews of taking out actual prophecies of Jesus Christ, when in fact the Jews may have only been taking out the later insertions. You see, there's some questions along those lines, and I won't read the rest of that. You can read it for yourself. Another vital clue in our entire problem here is we have fundamental, overwhelming evidence that Christians constantly, beginning with Matthew, continuing through Mark, Luke, John, and even the Apostle Paul, we have incredible amounts of evidence of complete misuse of entire miscontextualizations of entire misreadings and mishandlings of not just a couple of odd prophecies here or there in the Old Testament about Jesus Christ, but in every single instance, none of the prophecies of Jesus Christ are valid contextual reality. The Gospels have deliberately crafted their interpretation by warping the Jewish scriptures to fit their theology. And that's why that it is so important to grasp that when someone comes along and says, hey, we found a new prophecy of Jesus Christ in an ancient document that is pre-Christian, you can pretty much bet the house that there's something wrong with that. We've had 200 years of serious scholarly, minute combing through billions of ancient documents that are pre-Christian, none more carefully so than the Old Testament. And Jesus Christ has never been known in any of them, including the Dead Sea Scrolls. So you can be sure that the Book of Mormon has not been confirmed in any manner through later bias Christian 
traditions. 